Welcome back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin. And this week, uh, actually, a friend of mine, Spencer, is back in. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? Man? Good. Uh, I'm happy to have you back in here. I know you were on like a while ago. Yeah, I think me. it was just over a year ago. Yeah, it, it's been a hot second. Um, and I know a lot of shit's changed since then. Because when I think, I think the last time you were on, we were talking about um, you know work and everything. You had just gotten over COVID. Yep. And I kind of, I think I kind of made fun of you, and then jokes on me. This time last year, I got COVID. Yeah, karma. Yeah, it was, dude. It fucking, it sucked. I don't, I don't know if it was bad for you, but it kind of sucked for me for like a week. The only thing that was bad is, uh, I love food and I couldn't taste it. So yeah, I mean, I, I could still walk around and, you know, living my own ass. So living life through COVID, um, or living Thanksgiving through with COVID was not, like, I had half my taste back for it, so it wasn't the worst, but it, it wasn't. Like I'm super excited for Thanksgiving this year. I'm gonna make up for for time lost last year, but um, I'm excited. We're gonna talk some more medical stuff. Um, talk about supplies where people can get training. Um, I know you got some stories and, and things that have happened right just in the last year and a half. Like right? literally after I got off that show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As soon as you got off that episode. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to make sure, as always, uh, start the episode thanking our sponsors. Uh, first up, slimfitholsters.com. Uh, they hooked us up with their discount code prepared10. Save you guys 10% off your order and free shipping. I do I want to first off apologize because I did mispronounce uh, the name of their new outside the waistband holster last week. I called it the Veritas, I think, on accident. It's the Victorus. Uh, awesome model with adjustable belt clips. Um, really popular with people that are, you know, open carrying. Um, maybe they, they conceal carry. They just like to drape a shirt or something over it. They don't like the in the waistband because it's just too comfortable. Super good design. Uh, well-made. I, I think it's a great recommendation for people that are new to carrying and maybe just aren't at the in the waistband point yet. That, that's how I was when I started. Um, and, and then, you know, obviously for those of you that are looking for a great holster to carry in the waistband, whether you want to carry appendix, you can get something like their Gladius rig that keeps everything centralized and, and up front. You can go with their Guard Ultra if you like to keep the magazine and the pistol separate. Guard Ultra is a great option. Both of those allow to use their uh, concealment wedge that's actually made out of hard rubber instead of foam. It screws on instead of using just gunky adhesive like a lot of other offerings out there. Those are both superb holster options. Um, or if you just want something in the waistband at the 3 o'clock, 4 or 5 o'clock position, the Guard. Great option. Super well made. Uh, they use thicker uh, Kydex stock than what I see from a lot of other companies out there, which really I think lends itself to their great durability and craftsmanship, uh, and, and just a ton of options out there for different pistol makes and models. Right hand, left hand, light bearing, whatever you guys need. Head over to SlimFitHolsters.com. Again, they were cool enough to give us our discount code Prepared10, saves you 10% off and free shipping. Guys, get those orders in now before you hit the holiday rush. Um, you know, I'm at the post office multiple times a week right now as I'm selling off um, some of my disc golf stuff to help raise funds for my suppressor. And uh, it's like the lines just get worse and worse, man. You know, stuff's going to back up and there's only so much you can do going up to the holidays. So head over to slimfitholsters.com and pick up your new gear. Additionally, we want to make sure we to say thank you to mymedic.com. Uh, the team at MyMedic does a bunch of great work. Uh, if it, you know, from designing quality products and, and, and IFACs and packs that they sell with all kinds of medical supplies geared towards specific activities uh, and contingency planning to their online uh, educational resources with Billy Haley, 
so not only just providing quality products to their their clients and to the the community, you know, two A and otherwise, uh, but providing the critical component to all of that, which is the education and training that comes with it. Now we're going to talk about more of that today with Spencer, but you know, I, I find that the easiest place to get people hooked and to really get that information out there, obviously, is digitally. Right? We all we all have phones, we have tablets, we have computers. We're always in front of a screen. So whether you're you're sitting at home, whether you're ignoring your conference call or you're on a plane flight, something, hey, maybe you're at Thanksgiving with your family and you're sitting through some obnoxious stories, you can go ahead and throw the earbuds in, <clears throat> check out some of their educational content. But mymedic.com, they hooked us up with the code MINDSET20, saved you guys 20% off your order. As we're getting into the holidays, they're going to have sales on stuff. I know just re- recently I saw an ad that they're MyFAC, okay, the kit that I personally carry in my vehicle every day. It's a great option. It's 25% off. Black Friday pricing already. You can use our discount code MINDSET20 on top of that. You're going to save yourself a ton of money and make sure that you're picking up all of your medical gear, everything that you need this holiday season and and beyond. MyMedic.com. We love those guys doing great, great work. So getting into it. I know you had like a story, you had a bunch bunch of stuff happen, right? In the last year, I've learned a bunch, um, you know, so... Let's just start with again because it was it was hysterical. The last time you were on, <clears throat> I was like, "Come on, man! Like, yeah, give me like a story. Like, tell yeah. me something." Like, oh, I had nothing. Yeah, <laughs> like I think something like a BB gun and a false alarm. I was like, you know, yeah. that's yeah, it's kind of weak, man. But definitely you know, weak. <clears throat> and then like what you said, like a week or two weeks after I, that, I like think, yeah, definitely. If if not less than two weeks, less than a month, um, it was <laughs> it went from zero to hundred real quick. And I, yeah. I'll, I'll kind of tell it how I experienced it. <laughs> Um, because I, I think it, I think it goes hand in hand with, uh, the last story because, you know, when you get, when you're at work and you, and you get something like this, your mindset before you go to that call pretty much dictates how you're going to react at the scene. Yeah. Um, and in this case, we had no idea what we were getting into. So we got called, uh, you know, um, to, uh, stage, which is where we just kind of park a little bit of ways, um, away from the scene. Um, to make sure that it's secure, um, so PD will go in there and they'll. Uh, Does that so that oh so that's normal like that happens with is it with any call or just the ones that are violent <laughs> uh, the ones that have like the potential for violence or if somebody's like known combative or um, you, you don't really know what's kind of going on there like mm-hmm. it, it, you know um, uh, any any kind of assault or anything um, but uh, thank you um, so anyway yeah we we. Got to call the stage, and uh, it called us in after about like five minutes. We get there, you know, the fire department. There's a police everywhere. We're at this house. It's really dark out. We yeah. walk back through this big pile of leaves into the backyard of this uh, this house, and it's like I think it was like October or something like that. Okay. So kind of cold out. Um, again, really dark. I have a we have a student with us who is just kind of like riding along with us, trying to learn. So um, like like when you say student like college age or like high school like like high school like just oh, senior like fresh in high school, to the yeah. world and like unsoiled by life minimum eighteen yeah <laughs> nice pretty much so um so the this the students with my partner and my partner and the student go to talk to the the uh, uh, fire captain that's on scene over there now I see that there's a man laying on the back porch um, <laughs> yeah. and there's a firefighter over there kind of doing something too dark for me to see. So I walk up there trying to, you know, with my trauma bag. So will, will firefighters render aid? Yeah. So most firefighters, if not, um, if not all of them are, uh, medically trained, um, oh, okay. at least to the, um, 
to be able, at least to the point of being able to stabilize yeah people. medical first responder level most of them <clears throat> at least have their uh uh emt basic license um a lot of them a lot of departments are actually have their paramedics paramedic firefighters so oh, in addition to their firefighting abilities so they can correct so they're cross-trained okay yep. and, and actually a lot of fire departments um transport um any medical or trauma patients themselves so like they'll have a i don't know if you've if you've seen like chicago 911 or something like that but yeah, yeah. those those ambulances that they use mm-hmm. those are you know firefighters too usually um yeah in in at least definitely the areas that i work in so pretty common for firefighters to have their paramedic license okay. um uh in this country here so um anyway so he's rendering aid to this this person who's lying uh flat on his back dude's wearing like biker gear you know um and uh i walk over he's uh he's kind of missing <laughs> he's kind of missing like the right side of his cheek and i'm like okay his tongue, his tongue is kind of wagging out a little Ooh. bit and i'm like oh okay so this this so something this, happened yeah, here. Something, yeah something happened here well um i get kind of the quick story apparently you know they obviously he's been shot um by something mm-hmm. and uh the firefighter's wrapping up his left hand and i'm like what happened to his left hand he's like oh well his finger's missing <laughs> his pinky finger's missing so um okay all right so that's cool <laughs> so he probably put his hand up you know oh to block like a second yeah, shot and it, or something. You know, and obviously the bullet doesn't really stop for flesh so no um kind of went right through that into his mouth and i'm like okay all right so this just got this just got real so i'm thinking oh i was not <laughs> was not in that mindset really when i came here so um anyway um i'm trying to talk to him i'm trying to ask him questions and not really the smartest it's, thing to do because the guy the guy has can't talk his face miss he can't really talk so he kind so of, i guess in that kind of situation you have to try and triage it right you got to try and yeah. gather additional information kind of make sure you do understand you as much as you can to be able to properly render aid so right because we don't we i mean it's it's important to know like the caliber that he was shot with if you can tell us or uh really yeah because to, so i guess to what can you expound on that like what extent does that help well i mean you're looking for a bullet so um and, and you're looking for how much damage that could possibly do like you know like a 22 might bounce around if it gets in there mm-hmm. it, can, it can bounce around bounce off bone inside and do a lot of damage you know oh okay. it's like a you know like okay. a 45 or something high caliber stuff will <laughs> it'll pretty much blow right through things so it could you yeah know, it could have gone kept it, going it could be something. somewhere else mm-hmm. there might be somebody inside that's we should be looking for if it was a high enough caliber okay. we're thinking it's going through like brick or something like yep, that so that it, makes it's sense. important plus the doctors are going to want to know um at the hospital so we always try to figure out that information um did you know did well he, you know what kind of what kind of you know what? Shot him? he uh i don't think he did no no he uh it was like i said it was it was pretty dark out I'm pretty sure this happened um outside um anyway so i'm trying to ask him questions all he can do is basically like you know wag his tongue and we get to the point where he's just like either yes or no okay so he's nodding yeah, his head so, yes or yeah. he's shaking his head so no. basically just visual communication only pretty much yeah yep. um so after firefighter finishes uh bandaging up his hand um we're like okay time to get this dude to the hospital so i'm like all right well we, you know what's the best way to do this well the firefighter comes up with the idea that we're gonna like make him walk because his legs still work <laughs> yeah yeah he hasn't um, been shot there yet so yeah yeah you know and i mean dude's more experienced so of course i'm listening to him um and i'm like all right let me help you get him up so yep. i grab him on the right side here and we uh I grab him by his uh, pants, his like belt, and I just we give. He's a big dude. We give him a hike, real Pick big hike. Oh, the, and, the, and the dude is screaming. <laughs> um, and I'm and, and in my head, I'm like, just just calm down a little bit. So is it? I guess yeah. I mean, I'm between the gunshot wound and and everything going on, like yeah. So he's. I mean, does it change the scream? I guess is it like muffled, or could you just tell it was a scream? Oh, it was a definite like it wasn't like a high pitch like wasn't high pitch. It was like yeah. a, it was a man scream. So okay. I'll give him the, I'll give him the credit. Like he screamed like a man. <laughs> okay. 
Um, Give him the credit, but, yeah. Yeah, so we get him up. We uh, we got him to the stretcher um, somehow, mostly dragging him over there, and uh, got him to the hospital. Um, I didn't really have much of a good assessment on him because once we got him in the back, kind of mm-hmm. threw him on the on our monitor to take some vitals, and then I got in the front and I drove. Take him know, to the closest hospital. Rapidly, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got there, and uh, they got him over. Whatever, transferred care. I'm walking over, you know, restocking some supplies, you know, getting my little uh, chocolate milk from the from the room there. That's important. Yeah, very yeah. important to, to have some chocolate milk at the end of that day. Yeah. Right? And uh, I kind of I kind of look in the room, and you know, they have him like uh, we call trauma naked now. Um, so he's like, <laughs> they cut off his pants. And yeah, stuff they, and, like, everything goes because bleeds. they need to make sure there's you know he's been shot once. Is there another one that you don't see? I, yeah, and I think there I think there was another actual gunshot. I just I can't remember for the life of me where it was at. Um, but uh, like I didn't I didn't cut anything off on scene, so I didn't see where it was at. Yeah. So. Excuse me. Um. So I'm walking back, and I kind of noticed something purple in between his legs, and <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> yeah, something something purple, and, and it's rather large. It was like it, I think it was like the size of an avocado at least. And I was like, oh man! So I, I pulled the doc aside real quick, you know, because yeah. he's just kind of watching the resident do his thing, and uh, and I'm like, what what is that? And he's like, oh. That's his, that's his scrotum. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Like, yeah, this dude got stabbed in the stabbed in the dick, man. I'm like, that's a quote. Okay, <laughs> the, the doctor told me this dude got stabbed in the dick, yo. Uh, pretty pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm just the only thing I could think about was like, well, that explains why he was screaming when we picked him up because I gave him the world's biggest wedgie, and <laughs> <laughs> and since he got stabbed in the junk, uh, wow. Yeah. So. Um, all that calms down, and I guess what had happened was this guy um, went to a bar without his girlfriend and uh, picked up some other girl, right? Well, that girl's husband came around, figured out that they were together, right? Yeah. <laughs> Followed him home, shot the guy. Then the dude's girlfriend came home while this was happening, found out that this dude was... Uh, Stepping out, basically. Yep. And so she pulled out a knife and stabbed him in the balls. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! Yeah, that's a way better story than yeah. what you had last time. Oh uh, yeah, it I was. Mean, I mean, and I think I think it was definitely a big learning moment for me too, because like I said, my my mindset was not at all like you know I had you have training and all this, right? Like, sure, you know what you're supposed to, like stop the bleed, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like I, you know what you're supposed to do, plug the holes, blah blah blah, right? Right. Well, they didn't really they didn't really tell me what to do when somebody's bleeding from the junk. Yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> And also half their face is missing, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I was just like, I got really distracted by what was mm-hmm. going on in the face. <clears throat> and, you know, I didn't, I should have looked, you know? Um, <laughs> I should have checked out his balls, man. I, I should have. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, you know, for the future, but I mean, at some extent, it's just the difficulty that really lies in the fact that he's not able to communicate. I mean, under normal circumstances, True. he probably would have been able to tell you, like, I got stabbed in the dick. Right, like, help me. You can't. You can't ask him what hurts because yeah, he, goes, he can't tell you. Yeah, he can't do anything about you know. So um, and he can't really point either because you know we got his arms kind of immobilized and wrapped much. up. And um, I mean, there was a situation where I mean he was shot in the head, mm-hmm. face, but you know head, and and that's a serious injury. So like we're not gonna mess around too long. Like yeah, trying to find these things right there, especially because it's dark outside and you just want to transport them and yep. yeah get him out of there mm-hmm. so i guess with i guess my question is with uh something like okay you get shot in the face whatever in that instance 
so what do you do? I mean, other you, you can pack it with gauze, right? Because you want to try and stop the bleeding. But yeah, the, the most important thing is like if it's. I mean, your your head and your face is going to bleed a lot. It's yeah. It's it's a really vascular area, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and and actually, it's why you know when you hit your head and you're like, wow, this like you hit your eyebrow and it just throbs. It, it stops. It, it does, and it swells up and it yeah. bleeds a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, like what happened to you? Well, it could be a minor injury. It's just that face. You know, your face bleeds. You just um, bleed a lot. Right. So obviously. It goes back to basics, right? So, direct pressure if you can. Um, if that doesn't work, then uh, on the face you can't really use a tourniquet. Um, so wait, those, so you're saying you shouldn't apply a tourniquet around the one neck? One place you don't want to do it is around the neck. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah. No. I. Right. Contrary I think, to popular belief. Right? I think I told you, but when I took a CPR class through work and the Red Cross came in and uh, they did the CPR and everything at the end of it, they gave they didn't even show us how to apply a tourniquet, which I thought was shitty. But the last like five minutes, she talked about it. And made specific points to point out that you you can't you sh- you cannot apply a tourniquet to the neck. Yeah, and I just started laughing. I got some weird looks. I don't think that people in my class like really got it right away until she like explained it. And I'm like, yeah, you, you know, suffocate them. Like, duh. Right. Know. But so so you apply gauze and apply direct pressure. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all you can do with something yeah. like that. Really, right? in that situation, I mean, it would I would be hard pressed to like. Um uh like put i would probably want to use like a sponge or like a absorbing pad and then wrap that um and i'd try okay. to keep it moist if i could mm-hmm. um just because of the tongue <laughs> i don't know why yeah, yeah. i just like here, here's my thing i feel bad if that dude lost his taste buds because he just had a you know i'm a, sure to some extent decision. i mean and then yeah. you gotta think long-term dental work and repair oh like he'll probably be... he'll probably uh have a good <laughs> good bill there yep yeah i mean there's just there's so much that's involved with that so mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and pe- we talk about like what people should carry to assist with stuff like that. Now, obviously you can't, I think, you know, I mean, like there's only so much you can do, right? You got to get that to somebody who's a trained doctor. Right. right? So but the I most mean, important thing you do is you, you pick up that phone. If, I mean, if he's bleeding from the face, there's not, there's not, I mean, it's just fatty tissue up in your cheek, right? Where he was blood at. Blood vessels. It, and, it wasn't and his neck, fat you know? Tissue, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't, it didn't look like it was his brain, you know? So, and if, if it was, I mean, nothing you can do really much about that. Yeah. You know, he's not, you don't need to um, apply, pre- I'm, I'm touching my neck right now because yeah. that's the most important place around right. that area. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the, the first thing you want to do is you want to get help. Mm-hmm. Like get, get help something. If there's a passerby, maybe they can hold or they can call while you're holding pressure, something like that, you know. So I guess um, if you're the one calling that in, then mm-hmm. is there anything additional somebody could like <clears throat> tell the dispatcher? Like, I mean, obviously they're probably gonna say, okay, he got shot in the head. They might ask where, um, yeah. but I mean, it's like, is the, ca- I mean, if they knew, I don't know if they would know, like caliber, is that all stuff they should have let the dispatcher know? Is it one of those things like the more information you can provide them, the better? Or It's always good to have as much information as possible and, and, and let the dispatcher kind of guide you through that too um, yeah. because you don't want to just spout out a bunch of information to them. The first thing that they're going to need to know is um, the type of emergency, like what you need, what resources mm-hmm. they need to send, and where they're going. So have a really good location for yourself first yeah. and be able to be very clear about that and be prepared to repeat that a couple of times. Um and be as specific as you can, right? So it's not just, oh, we're at the corner yeah. of this behind, you know, which you know, around guess, around the bus stop area. Yeah, I mean, and that's I was just gonna say that because, like, on one hand, we have more technology available to us today than ever before, right? Mm-hmm. You got phones, you got tablets, you got, you know, everything's got GPS built into it. Mm-hmm. So you have the availability to access that information readily. Alternatively, because we have all that technology, 
People don't fucking go anywhere. And they don't learn how to navigate off of maps and street signs. They go, you know, it's like, oh, I'm off I-94. Where at? I don't know. Between um, Cabela's and, you know, uh, Metro Parkway. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of land between there. Yep. Can you be more specific? I mean... You, they need an address, really, and you know the dispatchers do a really, really great job of like their their whole their whole life is trying to get information out of people who don't know anything, and they do. Right. I mean, think about the, the monumental challenge it is to ask somebody what they want to eat. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, I know those. Yeah, I know those challenges. And now imagine like they're in a really stressful situation and they have no idea what's happening, where they are, what's going on. They're used to conveniences that they don't have. And furthermore, we have this technology, but our 911 system doesn't track mobile phones locations. So they can't even find you. So that stuff that you, that stuff that you see in the movies and TV shows are like, Oh, we, we ping their cell tower or triangulate, whatever. Mm -hmm. And we know they're right here. That's not actually, that might be a thing in like other places. I'm not sure of, um, uh, but the pinging thing that, that takes some time. You know, oh, and really? you usually, I think you need, no, this, this, I might be, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's illegal to just ping somebody's phone, um, because it's protected information. Um, okay. so you, you, you either need a warrant or like a really good reason to do that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, and plus they're on the phone. It's much easier to ask them for their location. Sure. Um, it, it gets kind of, it gets kind of fuzzy though. When you know, what if the person can't talk? What if the person that's calling is having the emergency? You yeah. know, well, um, I, I just, I think it's, it's important. People understand like, you know. You can call nine one one, but you have to. You still have to have your your wits about you, right, so to speak, to be able to provide that kind of information. It's it kind of it makes me think of, um, you know, I was listening to an episode of the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. This is a while back, and they were talking about mentalities and survivorship stuff like that. Um, and I think that they, so so they were talking about in soldiers wounded in battle versus police officers and stuff wounded in the line of duty, mm-hmm. and why you see so many more fatalities. Uh, in law enforcement versus the armed services and talking about mentality and survivability and things like that. Uh, it comes down to the, they hypothesized, I don't know if they had an expert on whatever, but just that with law enforcement, you always have that thought, like somebody's coming, I'll be right there. Like, I don't have to wait. It was not gonna be long. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And mm-hmm. then you don't have yourself in that right frame of mind to keep fighting for an extended period of time. Whereas in a war zone, you don't know when help's coming necessarily. Right. So, so you got to hold out a little bit. Yeah. I think it's kind of similar in that people now are so wrapped up in that comfort blanket of technology and everything that they've seen on TV and read in, you know, media and things that, yeah, they'll be able to figure out where I'm at and I don't need to provide that much information. I don't need to know right. how to do anything. Response times are, yeah, if I call 911, they'll be here in a minute and it's, and that's not like a dig, you know, that's just, no, that's, that's what it is. Reality. You I mean, know, I mean, everybody is somewhere at some time. That doesn't mean that every corner has an ambulance on it. No. You know, I mean, what, what is your guys average re, uh, you know, response time to some of those stuff? Our, our goal is, um, is an eight minute response time is, is what, um, and you know, like below that is even better. So, right. so we try to staff, um, and, and, and place our trucks in areas where they can achieve that kind of time. But, you know, it doesn't always happen. No. Um, it, you know. Most um, people don't realize that either. It's like, where were you? What are you doing? You know, saying, that, why is there never a cop around when you need it? And it's, you know, and it's you're like, driving well, along and you're like, man, come on. They're always where they're not supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but people just have to realize that, you know, so, and again, that's why I think it's so important that people have a, a fundamental understanding, right, mm-hmm. of what you need to do and be prepared to do when you come across these kinds of circumstances. Right. 
and we didn't even touch we didn't even talk about any kind of medical skills nope. any kind of medical training any kind of anything nope just awareness aware yeah exactly mm-hmm. awareness and just being able to understand like hey you you are now a, like a pivotal part in this um rescue operation whatever you want to call it this yeah. this circumstance this this situation if you were to just call 911 and they start asking those questions and you freak out and shut down hang up that phone the person's dead depending it on could the situation. Be the it, may, it may not be that drastic yeah but. i mean that's the that's the you know Oh, all the way over here, you know, the, yeah. on the other end of the spectrum. But I mean, <clears throat> but I mean, it's, I mean, you put it in context and it starts to get kind of heavy, kind of quick. Sure. You know, having the best information to be able to communicate effectively is, is the, I, I, probably the biggest thing you can do in, in any of these situations, the biggest thing you can do to be prepared. Um, you know, it, it but it's also one of the hardest, uh, mindsets to have is yeah. something could pop off at any time. Um, and a lot of us, didn't come up in that situation where yeah. we have to feel like that we're always on alert, you know, or we don't have a, uh, our day-to-day life is, uh, it's not, it, it it's not that Does type enable of volatile, be, yeah, yeah, where you need to, to live just, that way. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess in your experiences thus far, have you come across any situations where somebody who has proper training or has any kind of supplies or anything like that has already been there and able to help render aid or is it just still something that's just really, really uncommon? Um, it's very uncommon. Um, I, I'll say this. Um, so most of the time when somebody's able to do something, um, they either have solved the problem mm-hmm. or um, they end up doing so much that by the time we get there, we just kind of want them out of the way. You know, so we, yeah. and, and, and it's it's like a double edged sword. Like this person probably, you know, you, you hear the stories about all the time on the airplanes. Right. Is there a doctor on here? Is there a nurse on yeah. here? There's somebody on here that can help. Well, there probably is. Um you know, but sometimes they like to once once they take that over, they can't can't take take that step back and let the system kind of take over for itself. Yeah. And so I mean, they may have the best information, but they might be clouded by their own um, emotions, adrenaline, and they're not yeah. prepared for it either. Shock, know? I'm sure, to some extent, right? If I'm off duty and and stuff hits the fan right now, <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll be honest with you, like I'm not very prepared to, you know, I'd have to like take a second. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, like. Got to got to switch those gears right now, you mm-hmm. know, um, because I'm not really, not really in an, in an environment that I feel like yeah. I need to be prepared, you know. Or it hasn't happened yet. I mean, it might happen at some point, and then after that, I mean, I don't know. This is I, it comes back to things like we talk about a lot with firearms and shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Why people train as much as they do, why they they shoot, why they dry fire, why they they practice as much as they do, and it's because when you are thrown into that set of circumstances you want that kind of reaction the thought processing you want all of that to be something you don't have to something you don't have to dig for right right i tell you i tell you you know who you know who the best um bystanders are and i call them bystanders they're not really (laughs) moms are some of my favorite people to to come oh because they got that maternal instinct a lot of time and sometimes it, it can be a bit much but most of the time those moms are like stone cold, like they, they're all they, over it. Yeah, they have it. They have it handled, you know. And you walk in, and they're like this, this, that, and the other. They took this, the, this, you know, four weeks ago. They ate this, and they didn't like it. So I've been giving them, let you know, they know, yeah, they know everything. And it's so, Jeez. it's so great to like run. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it really is. And um, it, I, I guess everybody can be more like a mom, you know. They know, they know what's going on, but they also know that they're calling, mm-hmm. you know, for help and. They can answer your question. They can communicate. They're calm, 
most of the time. Most of the time. I was going to say, I don't know if my mom would be, uh, I mean, I like to think so, right? But I don't know that. I mean, first, first time parents are, you know, sometimes they overreact a little bit. Um, I don't want to say, but you know, that, that's yeah, good, I mean, it's right? normal, it's, I think. It, yeah. it is. It's, I don't it's have kids, normal. so I don't know, but I, I think that's. I think it feels is. like that's normal. it's your baby, you know, yeah. like you're going to you're going to want to, you know, protect it as much as you can. If something goes wrong, it kind of like, oh, my gosh, you, yeah, you freak out and you want to right. overreact. But for the most part, I mean, those those are so. So going getting back to your point about, uh, you know, people who are prepared for uh, things, have the training, the backup. What can yeah. you do on scene? If I showed up and somebody was like, yeah, like I had this bleeding controlled here with direct pressure. I just had some bandages here. Um, this was like the size of the lac- uh, laceration that was on there. It was yeah. just, it, the, you know, the blood was either spurting or oozing. You know, they know that kind of thing for me. Oh, I'm like, wow. So what is, I guess, the what is the difference there, spurting or, or oozing? Spurting is like an arterial, right? So ah. think about your heartbeat, right? Every yeah. time your heartbeat pushes that blood. It's going to squirt so blood out, yeah. It's going to squirt blood out, yeah, like a squirt gun. Yeah. And uh, oozing is like a venous thing. So it'll be oh, okay. usually darker in color, no oxygen in it, or less yeah. oxygen in it. Um, and it'll it'll kind of ooze slower. So um, so oozing is preferable to, to squirting? Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Squirting happens a lot faster, right? Well, yeah. Arterial bleeds. Arterial bleeds yeah. are the reason that tourniquets are so great. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, and we talk about it a lot, and I think it's, it's starting to get traction in like the... <laughs> in the instagram community is being you know it, it feels stupid to say but you know it's starting to get traction as well as like those cool guy things to do for people that carry guns you know which like hipster is that what you're um saying? no i mean it's um it's like trendy you know like oh. um something that's just very very commonly done like, like a Gucci now, bag now you know guys that not really i mean i, I don't know i don't know how to explain it like Stuff that just catches on, it's like a fad, but not, I don't know. Like, uh, appendix carry has gotten really big in the last 10 years. Okay. Because you've had this, like, renaissance of the appendix carry holster. Um, it's one of those type things where now, you know, for a while we, we saw people move to scoped optics on their rifles. Because it's like, ooh, I can reach out and touch somebody with this now. And mm. the technology's there, so it gets cheaper. But now you're starting to see a lot of guys where it's like, I don't just carry my gun or just carry my gun and my knife. I carry my gun and I carry a tourniquet. There's even uh, a company out there that created a, an appendix carry holster that couples together and it'll, it'll carry your magazine with the gun, but they have the option where you can remove that and instead you carry, it attaches a um, tourniquet holster. So you oh, can wow. carry your Glock or whatever you have and then instead of having that extra mag right there, you have uh, North American Rescue Cat Tourniquet. Perfect. Which I think, um, honestly, I think makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Um, now, not, you put, don't you always say if you could put a hole in it, you better be able to plug yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. If you can make holes, you should be able to plug holes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, and if you look, and I don't, I, on one hand, I don't even like saying this, but statistically, if you look at most gun gunfights or, or uh, shooting situations, right, six or seven rounds. So if you're carrying a firearm that has a greater capacity than that, you kind of look at the choice. Well, do I want to carry another 15 round magazine or do I want to carry a tourniquet? If you're looking at just that holster setup, mm-hmm. now you can always carry an additional magazine with you in your pocket, your back pocket sure. on your hip or something you can carry in a bag, you know, but I think it to some extent, you know, and this isn't taking anything away from anybody who carries spare ammo sources. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> um, but it, you know, I think it's a good idea that you have the firearm and the tourniquet and that is your new, like essential item that you take with you. Yeah. You have the life taking and life saving kind mm-hmm. of coupled married together, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> balance yin and yang. You know? Yeah. I mean, essentially, 
Um, but what I what I do hope is also kind of following that fad that like this trend we see is the training piece of it because um, obviously it's it's really cool to own a gun and see all the pictures and the videos and all and I mean, it is <clears throat> um, not as cool to be well versed in medical. Not saying that's my opinion. I'm just saying that that's not the way that's perceived in the world. Well, you know, it's it's taken care of a lot of times. So you know. When when stuff happens, maybe you don't want to think about it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a very glamorous. Yeah, it's not a sexy concept. You know, right? And you know, I, I and I, I have noticed to at least some extent. Um, you know, because I, I I took my first carbine class and I uh, over the summer and you see a lot of gun ranges that offer training classes. You see a lot of companies that tour the country and offer training classes on firearms. Unfortunately, you, you just you don't see a ton that offer medical training. Because it's not as lucrative, it's not as sexy, it's not as appealing, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, I, I think that that's. I think that I would like to see that as like the next, you know, progression in things is to see more, more easily accessible training material. Um, I mean, and like we were talking about in the ad space with my medic, and you buy one of their kits, they send you links to instructional videos, which yeah. is a great awesome. first step. It's yeah. a huge first step, mm-hmm. um, but that hands-on, you know, which I I have it on my list next year. As soon as the training calendar comes out for Ann Arbor Arms, where I you know take my classes, as soon as they release theirs, I want to take um, a T Triple C class. You know, they have like the mannequins that spurt out the blood, yep. and like you got to teach you know uh, how to apply a tourniquet correctly, how to you know um, apply gauze and pressure and all the you know what I mean like that like all of that essential training and. I just I don't think it's as available as it should be. Well, and the 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 thing with T Triple C is a, a did you know there's two different ones? There's the T Triple C and there's the T E C C. I I think I did know that. So the T Triple C is more geared toward um, combat casualty combat, care. right? Yeah. It's military. The T E C C is more civilian public service. Um, okay. So and in Michigan, um, I I happen to know a guy that uh, that runs one of his classes. Um, and uh, I guess in Michigan, um, there's not really huge uh, market for it right now. For believe either it or not. of them, or for T E C C. Yeah. Oh, okay. For it, uh, I think for I'm not sure about T Triple C. I, I honestly don't know. Um, but uh, so uh, he does a lot of his classes in like the surrounding states because there's more of a market there for him. See, that's I don't understand. Michigan's a huge hunting state. We play with firearms for various shit all the time. Right. You know, it just it doesn't make sense to me that we wouldn't. You know, or, or like we do, uh, snowmobiling is huge. ATV, dirt bikes, Northern Michigan is huge on that stuff. Well, I find I think it because the demand isn't there, then the supply isn't there, and when the well, supply's right. not there, people can't find those classes, and you know nobody yeah. really wants I, to travel. Too I'm, far I'm just to saying, it. you know, it's I think it's weird that given all the things that we have, like a perfect concoction here in this state yeah. for things that could potentially go wrong. You know, like hey, <laughs> shooting sports accidents happen there. ATVing, you know, snowmobiling, yep. boating accidents, and jet skis—all that stuff happens. I would, you would think there, there would be a larger market for something like that. There would be more of a need for that kind of training. You'd think so, you know. Yeah. But I, I didn't even find out about it until I was into the field, and you know, it's not that that those kind of classes aren't even offered to me at. at uh, my license level in the first place. So really, um, well, they're, I mean, they're not, you know, pushed in my face. I can take it. Um, in fact, I'm taking it in December, but, um, Oh really? Where are you, if you mind, where are you taking that through? So the, uh, it, the, um, the company name is called crash medical solutions. Okay. Um, and I, I'll, I'm not sure if he does civilian training. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but I mean, he has a website, so <laughs> yeah, check it out. Crash yeah. Medical Solutions. Crash Medical Solutions. Yeah, um, no, I mean, any any company I think that's out there offering training, whether it's to um, certified licensed individuals like yourself mm-hmm. or civilians, or I mean, preferably both, right? I think is great. Um, I I think it sucks that you have to go through training like that. Not because, not because you know, it, not anything detrimental. I, I guess it just the point I'm trying to make is that our first responders, um, budgetary restrictions, things like that, are as such that, like, like I've I've talked with people in law enforcement, friends in law enforcement, where like they have to pay to take their own classes if yeah. they want to learn anything additional outside of basic firearms handling and whatever they teach them at the academy and stuff um, mm-hmm. and their basic qualification training every year they have to seek that out on their own yeah and, you know a lot of people freak out and they're like well we don't you know our police officers shouldn't you know shouldn't ha- shouldn't be taking that they should be learning how to save lives like well what do you think a TCCC course is that's exactly but that's additional time and training and money and and resources which is interesting to me because a lot of like 100% of the time when there's a shooting police are first on scene mm-hmm you, you can't even get medical in there until they've cleared it. Um, yeah. So then it, it, that brings in the conversation of things like like uh, close quarters combat. How do you successfully and safely clear a building and make sure it is safe to bring in medical? Mm-hmm. That's additional training. You bring in other experts for that. I mean, and if, if you want to look at it bureaucratically, dollars and cents, purely, right? There is a cost associated with that when, when an officer gets injured in the field or killed in the field, right? Mm-hmm. There is a cost associated with having to replace them. The cost to train them, the cost to, you know, all the administrative paperwork and stuff. Like there's, so it would behoove these, you know, uh, departments, these institutions to invest in better training, um, which, I mean, not to even go down the rabbit hole, but that whole like defund the police movement and the defund, you know, our first responders movement and stuff doesn't make any sense to me at all, you know, because if you just start looking at it, it starts to make sense really quickly why more training is better for these people, especially if you want more life-saving training, less lives lost, safer neighborhoods and things in general. Yeah, and why not? Why not like try to make them better themselves too? Because then that's that's a symbiotic relationship there. Because then you the community's think. getting better, and the person feels like they're getting better. Yeah. They, they that they have that they're more qualified for things, and that you know that like when I when I come out of any kind of class that I'm that I complete the mm-hmm. first thing I want to do is like all right I'm ready to apply these skills I'm going to go like, practice it I want to go use it yeah right yeah. like I'm I'm ready to do it I feel I feel smarter I feel better in my profession mm-hmm. um and it just you know it, it feels like it was worth it to me yeah so yeah, and it would sure. be nice to have people invest in that for you cuz you know I, I mean I'm lucky in that you know my um the the organization I work for um mm-hmm. they do provide a lot of great training um, but there are some things that I want to do that I can't do because I have to go pay for it myself and travel quite a distance. Take to time off work and everything. Yeah. And um, not a big deal because it's, you know, that's the norm, right? Yeah. Um, but it just kind of makes you, it has that barrier to uh, uh, kind of limit yeah. your choices. Sometimes. Accessibility, yeah, and affordability and things like that. Right. When you have to factor in the cost to travel these courses because they have to travel where the business is. Therefore there's an expense for them to be put up in boarding and, and feel, uh, you know, food and stuff like that. So it just, it raises the prices on all that, which again, it makes accessibility for something that I think you know, is a fairly basic human right. You know, the right to, um, actually probably a basic human right, but you know, the access, access to medical care, you know, something that we, we bitch about in this country all the time. So, yeah. Well, imagine if if the public were more educated about their own care. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Uh, Dude. I, I, I mean, that's that's a <laughs> that's a separate, probably a couple day long podcast. Oh, there I, about yeah, that. God. Um, you know, and I'm not. I, I, you need to bring in a panel for all that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, but even people, little even tiny just, steps. Right? Yeah, you know, like taking one of those courses, or even mm-hmm. just. I mean, being aware that of the differences that carrying life-saving equipment with you can have, you know, um, the EDC medic that I carry with me from my medic, right? It has a rat's tourniquet in it, which isn't my favorite, but it, it does work, right? Um, it has a package of compressed gauze and it has a chest seal. So with just those three items and this thing, it's like the size of your dad's wallet. They say your dad's because everybody's dad's got like a wallet the size of your fist. Yep. You know, it's just fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like the size of a quarter pounder or something. Yeah. You know, yep. um, which so it's not obnoxious and it comes, you know, it's got clips on the back so you can you can hook it on your belt or your backpack if you're taking it out places. It's small enough you can throw it in a bag if you're a lady or something. But just having those three, I would say, foundational or fundamental items mm-hmm. is enough to get you started with almost any incident that your normal everyday person would come across. Um, and it doesn't take a ton of training to learn how to properly apply a tourniquet. No. And applying gauze and pressure is pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Stick it where the blood is and press. Like, mm-hmm. Till it stops. Are there some <laughs> finer points to that? Yes, but... I mean, that's essentially it, and that's going to help until <clears throat> EMT shows up, you know, or you're able to get that person to a hospital or, you know, whatever the situation. <clears throat> the only thing really that I, I mean, or a chest seal, right? I mean, that's, to me, that's that's huge because gunshot wound, you know, sucking chest wound, all that stuff, like, yep. obviously not good. So if you're able to help partially whatever remedy that, you know, fine. Or at the very least, if you have this stuff on you, and maybe, let's say like, you haven't even gotten to the class yet, you just you have it on you. Who it's to say somebody like yourself, who is off duty or you know isn't there to also help provide aid and say you know you have the supplies. Here comes somebody who has the skills and the training, and mm-hmm. you just save somebody's life. Yeah, you know, um, I just I don't I don't I guess I don't understand why more people don't take. It. And I say this as somebody who has not done enough myself to take that training. So I'm not trying to be. Um, you know, you know, preachy about it or anything, but uh, well, it sounds like you're expressing interest in in yourself and you know, letting others in on that interest as well. You know, no, I mean, it's it's something you need to know. You know, it's mm-hmm. if you are if you're somebody who carries a gun, I I feel like it is part. It's your responsibility. It's part of carrying that firearm that you should be able to render aid. You know, and not to you just make your community a safer place. Yeah, like. I don't carry a gun with me when I go out to the bar, right? Because I'm going to go drink, so I shouldn't have a gun on me. Mm -hmm. But I always have my medical in my car. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's an added benefit. Or let's just say you're one of these um, people that they don't think that firearms are necessary. You know, I don't personally understand that. I don't choose to live my life that way. But let's just say that, you know, there's those people out there, right? There they, you know, they, and they can still have a enhanced level of preparation by having this training and if you think about it i mean realistically what are you going to run into more frequently an instance where somebody needs first aid or an instance where somebody needs to be shot i mean i'm going to say that that first aid one's probably going to yeah. win out right. every time you mm-hmm. know i mean it, it's a no-brainer but it, a lot of people neglect it they don't want to you know they don't want to spend the time or the money or both doing it um as well as like we were just saying, the accessibility, upsettingly, you know, is just not there. 
Um, yeah. Well, I think I th- I really do believe that if there was more um, outspoken interest in that, then there would be people interested in coming to you and teaching mm-hmm. that sort of thing. You know, because the the expert that that teaches these classes, they spend a lot of time getting those certifications and the experience, oh, yeah. you know, down. Um, and it's it, it can be a lifetime um, lifetime of experience for these people, you know, and they don't just want to go in and teach it to a bunch of people who are just you know yahoos, you know, they want people who are um, going to use that knowledge responsibly, and and uh, they they want to, you know, not only the money, but they want the the value for their time, right? Right. So if you know, it's it's one thing to walk into like a, a place of business and you know, you know, teach CPR to a bunch of office workers, you know, who may or may not, yeah, you know. Well, I mean, and I there, and I, I think there's value in that too. There, there definitely is. Yeah. Um, but it's another thing if those people like seek it out and they are like, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I want to do this, you know, like mm-hmm. I want to be of an asset to the community. Yeah. And I want to be able to help and when a situation happens, if it does. Yeah. And you know, I mean, and hell, when we took it at my office, uh, they offered it to anybody. Anybody want to take it? Yeah. Work was paying for it, totally free. Worst case scenario, you got work for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. You'd think you'd get somebody that was there just for that, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope. There was um, seven people in wow. out of like eighty plus that were there working that day. There was seven of us that opted to attend this free training. That's sad. Honestly, one person drove from like twenty minutes away from another building to be part of it. See, now that's the kind. Of, that's the kind yeah, of thing we're which was about. cool. Yeah, but it, then it's like you know she was she was older, a little more frail. Like okay, you're not gonna like you're not gonna be cracking any ribs doing CPR, which. <laughs> maybe necessary depending you you definitely not gonna be moving anybody or yeah you know i mean like so it's good to have the knowledge but it's kind of limited yeah and i just I didn't understand i was like well, yeah i want to be certified in this why wouldn't i want to be certified so i know how to save someone's life well i mean if you if you can't do it you know but you know how to do it you can instruct somebody else in the proper way of doing it if they yeah, don't know it's an option so you're still valuable even if like that you know that lady who's older and more frail she she's still valuable because she took that class now yeah um, you know it you're she's still going to know something she's gonna be able to help to some yeah. degree to some right. extent she'll be a little calmer in the situation you know yeah maybe she'll be the one that we were talking about earlier who can be on that phone and be like all right like you know i don't have to worry <laughs> about this this person here because yeah. I, I i i know, I know what's going on here you know yeah mm-hmm. so i mean Okay, so, I mean, speaking of workplaces and offices specifically, uh, I mean, I don't know how often you guys respond to calls at um, employers rather than residential, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> how often do you guys run into, into circumstances where places do not have the adequately or the, the legally required first aid supplies on hand? And I only ask this because Lexi and I talked about this a couple of weeks back where <clears throat> they had somebody, I think she has AFib or something, some kind of heart condition, and she passed out. And didn't come right back like she normally does or whatever. Mm-hmm. And someone would be like, oh, let's get the first aid kit. Let's grab a cold pack, whatever. They didn't have a first aid kit. Nothing. And, and th- yeah, in their part of the building, they, that room housed over 40 people. Yeah. And then no one, no one knew where the first aid kit was. So And then the boss had the audacity to get pissed at how expensive a first aid kit to cover that many people cost. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. Sad. It was a little weird. I mean, I get it. Because I was shocked at first, too, when I... You know, looking at the stuff from my medic and things like over a hundred dollars for a first aid kit, then you start to see what's in it, mm-hmm. and you start to understand that those cheap kits you buy at like Walmart and stuff are basically just like ointments and band aids, yeah, and maybe a roll of gauze. It's not going to have tourniquets. It's not going to have uh, scalpel or uh, the 
what do you call it? Well, you want stuff that you're going to rely on, too. Because even yeah. if they do have that stuff there, I mean, there's nothing worse than having, like, Cheap medical products. supplies are a thing, and yeah, it's definitely. a danger. Oh, God. it's I think it's one of the reasons EMS has to improvise so much. Um, not because, like, you know, they give us crap things, but sometimes those things, they just they don't work well in the situation, and there's so many different products out there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things you kind of learn to do. But uh, going back to the um, medical kit thing, I actually, I used to work for a, coffee company um we'll just we'll just call it that and uh would it be a like a large one that everybody would know right rather large one Um, gotcha (laughs) and um you know i'll say this i I did enjoy working there but their medical kit if i were to walk in on that now that was a joke that thing was like it was a tool bag and it had i think at one point i had to grab it because somebody had um burned their hand right and so i was looking for some burn gel it's pretty common in the coffee spot to burn your hand. Yeah, I was just going to say that like you build your kit to what you need and yeah. in a coffee house probably a lot of burn gel and some band-aids and then like maybe a little bit of the other stuff, but mostly burn gel. This, I would imagine anyway. This kit <clears throat> I remember opening this kit and it had three band-aids unpackaged. <laughs> like like just like, you know, it was still in like the paper, but it wasn't just in three the individual band-aids. band-aids. Three individual band-aids, right? One was like the small one and the ones were like regular size, right? And it had, it had a bottle, a small little eight ounce bottle of water in it, and that was what we were supposed to use to cool off burns. And I just remember being like, "What? What am I supposed? What is what, the point? What, what would you like me to do? This with is this? a medical kit. This is like what we're supposed to have, you know? Well, and and then you find out too, like you're not even supposed to cool burns depending on the severity. Depending on the severity, yeah, yeah, because." Your body, depending on the nerve damage and everything, you lose the ability to regulate. Yeah, and like, if it's big enough, you don't want to be like dumping coldness on it. You no, know? you want to insulate it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I mean, okay, bottle of water is not the worst thing to have in a first aid kit. No, I mean it's the a fact clean, that that was like two thirds you know, of the first aid kit is. <laughs> I was, you know, it, and and I, obviously after that point, I brought it to my manager's attention, and it the fact of it was like, it just hadn't been looked at in so long mm-hmm. that. It just kind of, you know, people took what they needed and didn't tell anybody or, uh, you know, people, I don't know well, how the bottle of water got in there, but, you know. And, well, and that's just hilarious because, you know, you work at a lot of these places, whether it's, um, you know, coffee shop or a food establishment, right? Mm-hmm. You look at expiration dates all the time, right? Because there's legal compliances and food safe and serve safe certifications you have to get and you can only serve certain items for so long because then they go bad, right? And it's a public, it's a public health issue, right? <clears throat> I work in finance. We have audit deadlines. We have retention deadlines. So we're looking at, at, at those expiration dates on those things all the time. Why it is that when it comes to our own personal well-being, nobody looks at the first aid kit and the expiration date on that shit. Because I swear to God, I used to I used to work uh, landscaping and maintenance before I, I got into banking. And uh, our first aid kit looked like it came straight out of the early 90s. Like the, the wrappers on the band-aids were like yellowed with age and like... You know, I think the it was um, old papyrus on there. The um, the uh, what do you call it? The band aid box was still like the metal tin that it used to come in that flipped yeah. open. Yeah. Instead of like the cardboard box like they do now, even and I think we finally replaced it because I said something. I was like, "Is it supposed to look that fucking old?" Because that ain't right. You know, I think that summer we actually had somebody like cut themselves on a bow saw or something, and it wasn't bad. They just needed a couple band aids. Yeah. And it was like they were so old that the adhesive wasn't really working. Like, it would stay on, but, like, if you did anything, it started coming off. Mm-hmm. So, we made kind of a big deal about it, and they they got a brand new one. that could have been a lot but, worse, you know? 
and oh yeah i mean any of that stuff any kind of bladed tool anything i mean i don't think i really yeah i mean there's probably a couple of times i probably really should have fucked myself up at that job falling off a ladder um removing like wasps nests and stuff you know like yeah i totally should have had more shit happened when I was there. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, having a first aid kit, and it's just, it's basic shit, you know? Have one around for the family. Kids hurt themselves all the fucking time, right? Yep. You'd be surprised how many homes have nothing more than Band-Aids. Well, you probably wouldn't. you probably see a lot of that. But, I mean... But our listeners would probably be surprised to hear. Yeah, you'd be, I mean, you'd be surprised. Like, you don't really think about it until it has to happen to you, you know? And then you're like, okay, that situation's done. I don't have to think about that again. And then it happens see, again. And, and at the very least, you should be the person that's like, okay, that'll never happen to me. It does happen. And then you are reactionary and go out and buy it. And like, well, that's never going to fucking happen to mm-hmm. me again. Because right. I have the appropriate materials. Yeah, now. nobody's asking for, like, a whole, like medical backpack of yeah you don't to need do to go and get a twelve hundred dollar kit right to, to cover you know well okay if only these people has like 10 kids then maybe you really should however 10 kids yeah we'll call yeah. it cheaper by the dozen a little bit yeah you probably no, have a couple of good medical kits up in there yeah and and you know shameless plug again for our sponsor my medic if you don't know how much coverage you need call them their customer service team and that's again what the good companies in this I don't want to say this industry, this space, right? If you're really looking and you you really don't know, they'll tell you what you need. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll they'll let you know. Hey, you have six small children and then four adults going on this camping trip, so that's ten people realistically. You need this size kit. Like, oh, that's so expensive. Well, that that's what you need. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you could do less, but it, it's just it's it's like anything else. You get what you pay for. Right. You know, and, like, don't take a $20 first aid kit and think that you're going to get $2,000 worth of coverage. No. It's not how it works. No. Absolutely. And you know what? Sidebar, another shameless plug for your uh, sponsor here. But <laughs> uh, um, their training videos are really good. They're, yeah. And it's and I'm, I'm like, I, th- I think last time I was on, we were talking about the kit that I have and happens to be from my medic. And um, I was talking about the stuff that I put in it. I didn't use their supplies. I, I kind of put it in there my own because, you know, I have my own likes and needs and wants. Yeah. Um, just like subsidize parts of it for what you're. Yeah, you know, but a lot of it is the that. same that you can get off there. You know, yeah. um, uh, I'm, I'm the biggest advocate of like you need to know the equipment that you're putting in there. You can't just like have like you might know how to use a band aid, but do you know how to like you know how to like properly wrap something with an ace bandage, right? Yeah. Um, or do you know where it is in that kit? Yeah, you, you got to know all. You got to know all that, and and that's the biggest, and that's the thing I like most about that site is that they you know they try to tell you like hey like this is what to do with it (laughs) yeah i mean it's well built out like you have your first line stuff i call it first line but like your readily accessible shit is your Mm -hmm. gauze and your band-aids the stuff you're going to go for the most often as you get deeper i guess into it like the pockets behind the pockets and stuff that's when you get to the big stuff like your chest seals your large packages of gauze Mm -hmm. your scalpels and stuff like that that's how i set up my jump bag at work too it's well it makes sense yep it's like the it's the it's the uh oh shit spectrum (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a pretty good name for it right yeah like depending on the severity of the severity of oh shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is how far i need to go into it but yep well, the nice thing about them, too, is, like, they sell refill kits. So if you only need yeah. the burn supplies, like you're saying, you know, if you work at a coffee house, you can buy just that mm-hmm. and reload or refill that portion of your your right. your IFAC, your whatever that you have, whether you bought it from them or not. Mm-hmm. I think it's really convenient that they do it that way because, I mean, this stuff gets used. It does. Maybe not a ton, but it does. And it's nice to be able to replace it without having to buy the whole thing over again. Right. You know, and... I think it speaks to them right that they it says a lot about them that they're willing to offer that rather than try and push people to just buy the whole new kit 
all over again. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, so I mean, I guess to the best of your knowledge, I know you mentioned the one um, crash medical solutions. Mm-hmm. Where can people go to get additional training? I know COVID has kind of really fucked that up. Yeah. given that it is such a hands-on and intrapersonal kind of training. Mm-hmm. Even if you're training on dummies, you know, the instructor's got to be there, like showing you how to apply a tourniquet, showing you all that kind of stuff. But um, I know the Red Cross does CPR training, but to the best of my knowledge, that's kind of where it stops with them. Where, I mean, is there a resource people can go to, like a search engine for this? or You want, you want good um, CPR, Red Cross, and the American Heart Association, um, the AAHA, I would... Yeah, um, I mean there. they're both they both train you right. Um, but uh, the A, I'm sorry, the American Heart Association um, has a pretty um, extensive uh, website about and it, and it tells you about all the options about how you can get trained and, and stuff like yeah. that. And you don't need to, you can you can literally just go. You can be anybody. You can you know, um, and go take this stuff. And um, additionally, um, some some people because of COVID have have started to do things online, and then you just might need to travel for like the practical, right? So it actually makes yeah. it a little more convenient because now you can take like the classroom portion if you know from there, home. There's one, yeah. You can just take it from home, and then like schedule time to come out and spend thirty minutes just like demonstrating that hey, like I did the thing, I know how to do the things. Yeah, like, get the certification or or pass the the course yeah, certificate just, or something. It's basically a check off, you know what I mean? And um, uh, so, so there's a there's a there's a few different places like that, and honestly, a Google search is probably the easiest way mm-hmm. um, because you're probably going to want to go local because uh, unless you're getting into like unless you're getting your like you know high rope high angle rescue or something like that, <laughs> yeah, you know, like crazy. rope stuff. Um, you, you know, you you can pretty much take a lot of that a lot of that basic stuff um, around you. The uh, American Heart Association also offers first aid training, which is not just like, hey, here's a kit and how to put a bandaid on stuff it's it's it gets into medical too like you know diabetic emergencies seizures yeah, that how sort to respond of thing. A, yep. a, you know appropriately yeah it's like it's actual for like so it's not a it's not just like a bs class like this is this is like this is a good base level of knowledge for See, what we we're talking i might about. look that up the american heart association's training opportunities yeah. and stuff and also and i mean honestly we're so close to the holidays now it'll probably wait till next year but mm-hmm. um ryan marshall you know who's been on a couple times with yeah. me and stuff uh they have a very close friend who I is a nurse, and just through talking to find out, I was like, yeah, you know, I really want to take one of these TCCC courses, and she goes, oh, well, that's really cool. I'm actually a certified TCCC instructor. I was like, oh, okay. okay. And, and I, I keep meaning to reach out and connect um, with them, and actually her husband's a nurse as well. Um, nice guy, member of the NRA and everything, so like, you know, just really solid people. Ryan Marshall's a nurse? What's that? No, not right. His friend. Oh, oh his friend. Okay. No. Um, I was going to say. I was but, uh, you know, so I, it, you can just talk to people and make those connections and find that kind of stuff. But it's much easier, you know, seek it out through the American Heart Association, through the uh, American Red Cross. Honestly, I'm more surprised we don't see it from, like, uh, like urgent care centers or um, hospitals. I'm not saying they have to do it all the time, but they obviously have the facilities to do stuff like that. So why they don't do more? I just don't think they're advertised on the mainstream things, but hospitals, and maybe it, maybe it is more just. I'm pretty staff. sure. Don't they get like tax breaks and stuff for community giving? I, and, I like, do think that a lot of hospitals do um, put on those kind of classes. Um, I, I know that that for us, you know, I get I, I get emails through work all the time about uh, the um, seminars that they have and oh really these, yeah these yeah so they I mean they a lot of hospitals most hospitals have an actual like classroom. <laughs> you know yeah no of course so they have they have things that they put on um i, I think it's just about looking in those places so maybe like well publicized 
Yeah, I mean, they're they're really not because um, you know when they when from their perspective, the people who are interested in those things are already in the field, you know. Yeah. Um, or their community outreach reaches out to populations that are outside its immediate scope, right? Yeah. So, um, maybe your local hospital or um, uh, will we'll put one on, and I would, um, I, I think, I'm not sure about. Ur- I haven't heard of an urgent care doing. Um, something like that. No, but it's I mean, possible I'm just, that they do it. You know? I'm just thinking, you know, the places that have that, that see the most foot traffic and then mm-hmm. usually have the the ability to provide something like that. You know, yeah. urgent care may be a poor example because usually they're understaffed anyways. But yep. you know, um, yeah, I mean, definitely something to think about. Reach out to your local uh, doctor's office, your hospitals. If nothing else, they should be able to direct you to yeah, you know the should. places that could offer training like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them do it as a side hustle, like your uh, your buddy's nurse friend, right? Yeah, you know, as a just, side occupation, or mm-hmm. and a lot of this stuff, uh, or at least it used to be. I feel like it used to when I was growing up. You used to be able to get CPR training for free during like family days and stuff like that at like mm-hmm. fairs and stuff. Like, hey, it was always during the day, you know, before the beer tent got busy and everything. But like, hey, family, you know, these family oriented events where you can learn CPR, you can learn basic first aid and stuff like that. Um, I think they used to teach that stuff in Cub Scouts. Unfortunately, the Scouts are dying too, you know. So it's like, the the as the world is evolving, right, and moving away from yesteryear, it's like, yesteryear. you know, everything's just changing, and it and not necessarily for the better. I don't want to sound like some kind of old man or anything, but you know, this is the kind of stuff I think realistically people need to start looking at more. And um, I mean, hell, we teach marching band. I'm sure. Have you had to use your training there yet? Yeah, I've uh, oh, really a, a yeah. few times. You know. So never they, around they, to see any of the good stuff. No, to see you jump into action. Usually like somebody, somebody screams my name from the back. Spencer, get over here, check them out. I'm like, oh god, I'm not. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I mean, and, is and usually I, just it's is it like heat stroke type stuff or? Let me the, between you and me, okay? And everybody listening. When I go to quote check somebody out, I'm not actually doing that because like. I'm not covered under my company, but I'm looking to make sure that they're not going to die. Just it's like nothing life threatening. Yeah, like yeah. if they need a band aid, I mean anybody can give a band aid. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when we're at camp, we actually have certified nurses that are covered under the band program that take care of that shit too. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. They have they have that thing covered. Um, I, I think I think a lot of times it's just because they they look at me because I might know something, right? Yeah. And and imagine imagine that, and that's that's literally nothing else. The stuff I'm doing at band is. Nothing else than what would have happened if I had just taken a first aid course from the American Heart Association. It's a very basic level shit. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, you know. Uh, Honestly, you can find a lot of this on YouTube, too. I mean, you just got to be take careful. Take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you, you got to make sure that, like, you're getting quality. Quality I mean, information. Quality everything. The information cannot be incorrect. Um, yeah. I mean, vet, vet your. It's just like we talk about, you know, taking firearms courses. Um, vet your instructors. You know, like we've and we've, I feel like we're, it's a broken record. We talk, he taught my medic, but uh, the guy that does their educational content, Billy Haley, was in special operations. Like, dude probably knows what's up. You, it's probably safe to say that you can listen to what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's other people like that on, on social media that are of equal or greater, somewhat lesser, you know, uh, certifications, qualifications that, that do put this content out. But I think that you can do a lot more than people realize with a pretty base knowledge. Oh, Remember, yeah. I mean, the idea here is not that you to complete start to finish, uh, you know, medical care. It's to, to help stabilize until 
EMTs arrive, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're just, you're a part of that life-saving process. You're not right. the life-saving process. You're just right. a piece of the, the process. And, um, you know, just know enough to be dangerous. Just don't do so much that you literally are dangerous, mm-hmm. I, I guess, if that makes sense. You, you, you know? talk a lot about in the, um, in the CPR class about, like, the chain, right? There's a chain of care that happens. Mm-hmm. And when it starts with quality CPR, but before that, it's, I mean, that includes a person recognizing that there's something wrong and doing yeah. something about that until more help can get there and give more quality. I mean, it's literally like if all the pieces fit together, this person has the best chance of survival. Yeah. yeah survival, <laughs> you know, and, and the biggest thing, the first step in that is knowing what to do and how to, how to do it, you know? Right. So that, that, and that starts with training that starts with walking in one day, knowing nothing and then knowing something. And that's honestly, the training's honestly more valuable. I think than if it, it cause like I said, you can find free or very affordable resources on training. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that, that there is more valuable than all the medical gear in the world. You know, like obviously having that stuff is, is essential for some things and you can improvise some things, but it means nothing. All that gear, all that kit means nothing if you don't know how to apply it. So if you guys are really trying to pinch pennies and figure out where you, your most cost-effective solutions are, like go to the training, mm-hmm. go to the education. Hell, a lot of the times they give you some supplies when you're there. I know when I took my CPR class, we got like a couple packs of like gauze and bandages that we used to practice something or other. I don't even, I don't even remember why we had it, but I, I kept it in my drawer at work and never used it. I, I threw it out after two or three years but you know but i had it it was something that was free for taking that class in right. addition to the class being free you know mm-hmm. not that gauze is that expensive the first aid but. class you'll build your own first aid kit i mean that one does have a cost associated with it but you're sure. essentially paying for that that the knowledge and your first the aid why kit. the understanding yeah. behind why it's important to have right some it's of these things that, not just going into somebody's pocket and being a waste you know you're getting yeah. some value out of that yeah and spreading that value around and and you know additionally you can regurgitate that information to other people, mm-hmm. not as an instructor, obviously, but Hey, I learned this, I learned this, I learned this. And maybe that's something that pushes someone else to go, I'm going to do that too. Sure. You I know? mean, how many times have I had to be on scene with like, you know, a layman and had to instruct them, Hey, I need you to do this real quick. This is how you do it. Or like your example with the uh, older lady learning CPR, you know, she might yeah. not be able to do it, but she's got a mouth, you yeah. know, she can administer instructions to somebody who, who can assist, yeah. you know, Absolutely. At, a, at a greater physical level than she can. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, yeah. So training, training, I think is the, is the the most important part of this, uh, far and away. So you said American Heart Association, mm-hmm. um, American Red Cross, um, and then I mean obviously Google. I know there's some companies that offer this as part one of their training classes if it's not their primary function. Right. Those are still good too. I, I feel like most of those you see are attached to um, combatives training companies, sure. so it's more geared towards like T Triple C rather than the TECC, but mm-hmm. again, still good information to have yeah. and good information to seek out. Um, can't fun stress too. that enough. It'd be fun. That yeah. class is fun. Most of those classes are fun. Mm-hmm. Honestly. I mean, people look at it like, Oh, why would you want to get screamed at all day? And why would you want to, you know, put yourself through this? And, you know, and not all of them involve a lot of screaming, whether it's on the medical side or not. But I mean, realistically, you have to think about it. in those circumstances, if you were in a gunfight or you're trying to save a life, someone's going to be fucking screaming Mm -hmm. whether it's mom sitting behind you or the the you know coked out girlfriend that doesn't know what the fuck's going on or 
or the person that that hit them with their car. You know, I mean, someone's gonna be screaming, right? You know, so having that raised stress level and stuff like that's 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 the I don't call it an X factor, but it, it that's the that's what you get out of training courses. You get that extra, you know, experience that adds to the whole process. That's gonna make you better at administrating those skills, better prepared for yep. dealing with all of it. Absolutely. Know? So, um, with that. I mean, thank you. Thanks for coming on, man. Oh, man. These are always really cool conversations. It's a great time. And I really was just like, you told me that story um, that you shared at the beginning. <laughs> I was just dying the first time I heard that. And I was like, you got to come on. You got to, like, we have we have to catch up for one, but that's going to be, you got to share that. That's yeah. just. Well, it was know. just, of course, it happened right after I say, ah, you know. Yeah, nothing ever happens to me. It's, a, it's been pretty quiet here. And now you're, yeah, you're doing all kinds of stuff. You're a training officer and. Training yeah, officer, you know, training... Moving up in the world. <laughs> yeah. Is that what they call you a training officer or are you just a trainer? A field training officer. Yeah, field, basically the same. Oh, uh, FTO. Yeah. yeah. Ah, yeah. Nice acronym. Oh, bro. I know. It sounds impressive. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it not as impressive as it sounds? Well, it comes down to just, you know, um, you know, taking taking that lay person and turning them into something that yeah, know, they'll, they can do they'll the be job. good at, right? So it's not a glamorous job. It just has a fancy title. <laughs> right. Oh, hey, man. It's important stuff. But I love it. I do. So... But thanks for coming on. Yeah. It was a great conversation, as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm gonna. I am going to personally pledge to myself. I'm gonna challenge myself to make sure I get through one of these, one of these through one of these classes before, you know, within the next six months. I'm gonna make sure I do it, and then we're gonna do this again, and we'll be able to talk about it, and I'll maybe be able to contribute something more than just asking dopey questions. <laughs> so. Uh, thanks, right. thanks everybody for listening. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation this week. Uh, next week, we'll have more coming at you, just like always. Until next time, though, like we always say here, work hard, train smarter, and be prepared. <laughs> <laughs>